Today I'd like to take on Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to be taking it on in the King James Version. Um, if you <laughs> Let me just give you some advice. Don't read Galatians 5 in your NIVs, all right? Because <laughs> NIV just gets it completely wrong, and it's, it just makes it weird. Um, King James is very good for Galatians chapter 5. I do like the NIV, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think you all know my thoughts on the NIV. Um, and the King James. I have a, a, a King James NIV and a Vines Expository Dictionary, and uh, I find between those, um, that, that as you cross-reference between those, you, you generally get quite a good idea of what the Scriptures are saying. Never just use one Bible translation. Always have quite a few. For me, I like the King James and the NIV and, and Vines. So. But uh, others like the ESV, which is a good Bible. Um, I just haven't got there yet. Who's got an ESV? Oh, two. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, Galatians chapter 5, there's, uh, there's been some confusion about Galatians chapter 5 and even some distortions. Is that still up? Oh, signposts of truth. Sounds like a good, uh, let me just give that a plug right now, all right? That sounds like a good, good thing to go to, all right? <laughs> um, I just want to encourage those of you that uh, just that, that whole thing of the mundane, just living day by day. In Hong Kong, uh, many of us know that Hong Kong can sometimes just be a struggle, adversity, just challenges that come against you. Um, Gene is just going to share some some key insights, just how to walk through life, walk through the mundane, just living in the peace of God, in the refreshing of God. So, just really want to encourage you to come to that. Anyway, the, uh, Galatians five. There's been some confusion about it, some distortion when it comes to these scriptures. I believe Galatians chapter five is actually an awesome chapter in the Bible that we can benefit from so much. Um, and, uh, and so I just want to bring some, some clarity, some understanding to Galatians chapter 5. And uh, I believe that, yes, amen. Yeah, that's good. Yes, preach it, brother. All right. The, I believe that the key to unlocking Galatians chapter 5 is having a revelation and understanding about what it means to walk in the Spirit. You need to understand what the Bible speaks about when it talks about walking in the Spirit. And as you understand that, you'll be able to unlock Galatians chapter 5 because a lot of it is about walking in the Spirit as opposed to walking in the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 verse 25 says, uh, uh, what does it say? Do we have that? Galatians chapter 5 verse 25? (laughs) I know what it says. Just a bit nervous. All right. Oh, thank you. (laughs) This guy sucks. No. All right. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So what is this thing of walking in the Spirit? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit. By the way, that was a question. <laughs> I'm asking you. Hey? Live out of our position in Christ? Yes, it's good. Anyone else? just want to stimulate your minds this morning, draw you into this message. All right. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Shout out some answers if you want. <laughs> Ha, <laughs> ha, 
This pulpit is not big enough for my King James Bible. Look at that thing. That's a footbreaker right there. All right. I believe to walk in the Spirit, it means to walk by your reborn spirit in the Spirit covenant in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. To walk by your reborn spirit, your new created spirit in the Spirit covenant, the grace covenant, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit, as opposed to walking in the flesh and, uh, and walking in the flesh covenant and by the natural soulish corrupt wisdom of this age. God wants us to walk from our reborn spirit in the Spirit covenant by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Amen? That makes some sense. It's going to start making a lot more sense soon. One of the greatest contrasts in Scripture is the contrast between the flesh and the Spirit. Before you're saved, you are in the flesh. You're born into Adam, Adam's sin, Adam's fallen state. You're born in the flesh, um, and you're born under the flesh covenant. Flesh covenant is the law covenant. It's the performance covenant. All right? When you get saved, you, you, become, you come alive in Christ. You come out of the flesh, and you come into the Spirit. All right? And you come into the Spirit covenant, the grace covenant. Okay. Um, flesh represents works. It represents self-righteousness. It represents the law or legalism. It represents performance. It represents unbelief. Spirit represents faith, represents the gift of righteousness, represents grace. It represents His performance on your behalf. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm laying a foundation here because it's, it's going to get hot soon, all right? You guys ready? Okay, just, just come with me. It's, it's about to get heated up. Okay. Now, in order to understand Galatians chapter 5, it's absolutely vital that you see that the law is a flesh covenant and that grace is a spirit covenant. Paul says, since we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Since we live in the spirit covenant, we are positionally in the spirit covenant. Let us also walk in the spirit covenant. Let us not go back to the flesh covenant. Let us not walk in the flesh covenant. Since you live in the grace covenant, the spirit covenant, don't live out your Christian life in the flesh covenant. Don't go back to the flesh covenant. You cannot walk in your inheritance, in the inheritance of the kingdom of God, in the freedom and the life that is in the kingdom, that is in the spirit, if we go back to the flesh covenant, to try to walk in the flesh covenant. We are positionally in grace. So he's saying, because you're in grace, live in grace. Don't go back to the flesh. Don't go back to the law covenant. All right. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. We just, I'm just going to... Uh, show you that from the scriptures, uh, th there is a key in Galatians chapter 4 to, that will help you unlock Galatians chapter 5. And you have to see this, otherwise you will always struggle with Galatians 5, because there's some scriptures in Galatians 5 that 
are quite confusing. And when, like, for years, I've read them and just, what is that really talking about? Walking in the spirit, don't walk in the flesh, and you know, and then the NIV confuses you with the sinful nature and, and this and that. And you're like, and then, but but if you walk in the spirit, then you're not under the law, and it's there's some confusing scriptures. So I'm just going to try and help bring some clarity there. All right, you guys with me? All right. So it's vital to see that the flesh covenant is the law covenant, and the spirit covenant is the grace covenant. Okay, Galatians chapter four. Verse 21, because, because the whole book of Galatians, uh, Paul, he's, he's, he's urging the Galatians not to go back to the law. People had come in to trouble the Galatians. The, the, the circumcision group, the Pharisees, had come in to trouble the Galatians and try to bring them back under law. And as that was happening, Paul was saying, where's all your joy gone? You started out in the Spirit. You know, God gave you the Spirit, um, and you moved in the miraculous and in signs and wonders because of the Spirit. Now you're trying to attain all those things in the flesh. It says, who has bewitched you? Who has taken over you? Who has persuaded you away from Christ? He says, as you're in the grace, as you're in grace, stay in grace. Walk out in grace. Live in grace. Don't let people take you back under law. Don't let people take you back under the flesh covenant. Okay, then four, chapter 4, verse 21. It says, Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? That's a good question you've got to ask people that are trying to get you back under the law. Don't you hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But who's that talking about? Isaac and Ishmael. Okay, remember Abraham thought he'd help God out. Um, you know, God had promised uh, that, that he'll be the father of many nations. He promised him a son through Sarah, miraculously, even though she couldn't bear children. God had promised, you're going to have a child. It was a child of the promise. It was a child of the spirit. Abraham thought, let's help God out. And, uh, and so, you know, we don't know the whole story with Hagar. And, and they had Ishmael. Uh, through Hagar, and that was a child of the flesh, where man tries to help God out. <laughs> but uh, God doesn't need any help, <laughs> and uh, we just need to stand on the promises when he speaks, and uh, that's the way Isaacs are born. Anyway, uh, but the one who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by the promise. And then verse 29 it says, but as then he that was born after the flesh, after the flesh, persecuted him that was born after the spirit. So Ishmael was born after the flesh. Isaac was born after the spirit. Now back up to verse 24. Which things are an allegory or a metaphor or an example. Which things are an allegory for these are the two covenants. All right, you've got to see that. For these other two covenants. It represents, Ishmael and Isaac represent old covenant and the new covenant. Okay, Ishmael represents the old covenant, Isaac re- represents the new covenant because the old covenant is a law covenant, it's a flesh covenant. It's a performance covenant. It's based on your performance, relating to God through your performance, receiving the blessings through your performance. It's a flesh covenant. Grace is a spirit covenant where it's all based on his promises. That's why Hebrews says that the new covenant is a better covenant because it's based on better 
promises. It's not based on your promises to God. It's based on God's promises to you. All right, that's beside the point. The point is that the law covenant is a flesh covenant. The spirit covenant, the grace covenant is a spirit covenant. Okay, you guys got that? I hope so, because I think I've said it maybe like 500 times. (laughs) You cannot mix. Actually, wait, verse 30. Nevertheless... What saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. You cannot mix the old covenant with the new covenant. You cannot mix bondage with freedom. They just don't go together. You cannot walk in the flesh covenant, the bondage covenant, and expect to share in the freedom and the blessings and the inheritance of the spirit covenant, of the free covenant. Okay, and that's the problem. People just try to mix them. People just try to live in one and the other. They're trying to live in both. And Paul is trying to make a distinction here, saying, hey, those who want to tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Those who want to walk under the law covenant, the flesh covenant, will not be heirs with those who walk in the spirit covenant in grace. Will not walk in the inheritance of grace. All right? Now, it's not talking about losing your salvation. I believe if you're born again, then you live in the spirit. But you can choose where are you going to walk? How are you going to walk? You can walk out your position in the law covenant and in the flesh and trying to attain blessings from God and try to earn God's love and try to earn his favor. And all you're going to end up doing is feeling miserable and lousy about yourself because you're under a heavy yoke, a, a crushing yoke, a condemning, accusing, fault-finding yoke, and you just, it's just going to bring death. It's going to kill you. Or you can live in the Spirit and walk out in the Spirit. Walk out in grace and just say, thank you, God. You love me every day of my life. It's not about how I perform for you. It's about how Jesus performed for me. You love me in Jesus. You accept me in Christ 24 hours a day, every moment of the day. I'm not in a fault-finding covenant. I'm not in an accusing covenant. I'm not in a condemning covenant. I am in a blessing covenant. I am in an ever-increasing glory covenant. Amen. All right, now, turn to Galatians chapter 5. I'd love to talk about how you cannot lose your salvation. I am absolutely convinced that it is impossible in any way to lose your salvation once you are born again, once you live in the Spirit. And uh, I, 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 like, I'm so tempted <laughs> because there is absolutely no mechanism that you can lose your salvation. There's some scriptures that seem to indicate that it might be possible. They sound like you can, but I want to say that's because we haven't interpreted them properly. We haven't discerned actually what those scriptures are saying. What those scriptures are talking about, this is the key to unlocking any difficult scripture that, that, talks, that, that sometimes indicates you could lose your salvation. You want to know the key? The key is discerning between the issue of self-righteousness versus the gift of righteousness. You think that's not much at all. I'm telling you, next time you go to read one of those hairy scriptures, apply this key. 
discern between, is it talking about self-righteousness or is it talking about the gift of righteousness? And, and, and you will unlock all of those scriptures, I'm telling you right now. All right. There is no mechanism for you to lose your salvation. I'm just going to go down this road, all right? Even though there's some scriptures that, that almost sound like you can, I want to tell you this. Th- those that preach that you can lose your salvation, I want to ask them, what is the mechanism for us losing our salvation? What is the means that we can lose our salvation? How is it possible that we can lose Once you have been united with Christ, once you have been born again, once you have been united with Christ in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his ascension, and in his seating down on the throne. The Bible says you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are hidden in Christ. You no longer live the life. You, it's, it's him that lives through you, in you. You are made alive in Christ, born again in Christ, united with Christ. And Christ has an indestructible life. And he is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. All right, he ever lives to intercede for us for all eternity, and it is impossible for him ever to die. Romans chapter 6 says, uh, Christ died once and can never, ever die again. And then it says, in the same way, reckon yourself dead to sin once and for all. Christ died once, and you died once. once if you've died once, that means you can never, ever die again. So, so your flesh can die, Amen. Your flesh can die, all right? This flesh one day is going to die, but your spirit will never, ever die. Your spirit is in heavenly places in Christ, united with Christ. In order for you to lose your salvation, this is the mechanism, all right? If, in order for you to lose your salvation, you would have to die, all right? You'd have to become uh, un- spiritually dead again to God, all right? But that's impossible because you're united with Christ. Okay, for you to lose your salvation, God would have to kick you off the throne, send you back down to earth, put you in the grave, resurrect you back into spiritual death, put you back on the cross, all right? That'll never, ever happen. Why? Because you're united with Christ. If God did that to you, it means he would have to do that with Jesus as well. Kick Jesus off the throne, send him down to kill him again. That'll never, ever happen to Jesus. He has an indestructible life. It's impossible for him to ever die again. You are in him. You can never, ever die again. For all eternity, you are in him. You are safe, all right? I just want to lay that lay that strong, all right, I, I, I will, no, I won't, I won't, anyway, <laughs> all right, yes, that is the truth, amen, and if, and if people don't want to believe that, well, that's, that's fine, you know, I believe that, I'm absolutely convinced of that, I live every day of my life knowing I can never, ever lose my salvation, and like dad says, that doesn't, that doesn't, like the trapeze artists, you know, swinging on the trapeze, and they see that there's a safety net, it doesn't make them think, woo blow the trapeze, I'm going into the safety net. You know, Christians aren't looking for a way to sin, all right? Knowing that I can not lose my salvation doesn't make me think, all right, yay, I'm going to go and sin now. It just makes me live life confident. Yes, God ever lives to intercede for me. I am so secure. Anyway, I have taken way too much time on that. I gave in to temptation. All right, we're talking about spirit covenant. <laughs> now, because the reason I, I, I said that is because there's some verses in Galatians that talk about if you go back under law, Christ will be of no profit to you. Okay, it's not talking about born-again people that live in the spirit that then go back to the law and, and, and get deceived and think that they've got to live under the law. It's not saying that they're going to lose their salvation. All right, it's just saying Christ will be of no benefit for you while you're on this earth. All right, you will not walk in the freedom and the life and the inheritance of the kingdom while you're walking on this earth. You'll just live in the death of, 
of the, the, the flesh covenant. All right. Galatians chapter 5. Let's just take on some of these scriptures. Verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, well, let's apply this key, that I've, this foundation that I've just explained from Galatians chapter 4. Let's apply that to the Scripture, all right? You ready? This I say, walk in the Spirit covenant, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh covenant. Walk in grace, and you'll not fulfill the desires of the law. Verse 17, for the flesh, or the law covenant, lusts against the spirit covenant, grace, law, desires against grace, and the spirit, or grace, against the flesh, law. And these are contrary to one, one to the other, so that you cannot do the things you would. All right, well, you, you could argue and say that this is talking about, you know, your spirit or your flesh. You know, don't, don't, don't live by your flesh, you know, live by your spirit because the spirit and the flesh are against each other. You could say that, and I, I believe to some degree it is about that. But keeping in the context with Galatians and Galatians chapter 4, talking about these things are an allegory of the flesh covenant, of the spirit covenant— you could apply that to the scripture, that, that the law covenant, the flesh covenant, desires against the grace covenant, the spirit covenant, so that if you try to live in both, you, you cannot do the things that you want because they are both desiring against each other. They both contradict each other. Perfect example is just after you've sinned. All right. I live in the Spirit, and I walk in, oh, but God, I feel so terrible. You know, I, I, you know, and the law says, now that you've sinned, you are guilty. You are condemned. You are, you are, you are terrible. God sees you unholy. You're filthy before God. You must feel terrible. And now you've got to, like, offer something to just get rid of this guilt and, and to make yourself, you've got to cleanse yourself, and you've got to make yourself holy again. And you can't have confidence before God. How can you dare to have confidence? Because you've sinned. That's what the law says. That's what the law is for. It's to show us our sin. It's to expose sin, and it's to crush our self-righteousness. And, and so the law is saying, now you've got, to, you've got to confess those sins, and you've got to repent of all those sins, and, and you've got to make all these promises to God. And, and you're like, but then grace says, actually, just trust in Jesus. He was punished for your transgression. He paid the price for every single one of your sins. And, and at the cross, he dealt with every single one of your sins, past, present, and future. They've all been forgiven. Now trust in the grace of God. You can be bold and confident before God. The, uh, Hebrews 10 says, uh, draw near with confidence through the blood of Jesus. The law says you can't draw near through confidence or you've got to offer your own blood, your own sacrifice, you know. But grace says draw near through the blood of Jesus. And so which, which is it? Which is it? is it? Is it the law? Is it grace? Well, if you try to live in, in one or the other, you're going to get, you cannot do the things you want. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, we just, we just have to see this, that we cannot live in both. Just after your greatest sin, Paul is saying, now that you live in the Spirit, continue to walk in the Spirit. Because that's the temptation 
just like when you sin, it's to go back to law. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I, I did a terrible thing. And now you, you get into all these dead works, trying to offer these things to God. God's not looking for those things. God is saying, just continue in grace. Continue in the Spirit covenant. Now that you live in the Spirit, continue to walk in the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, yes, that thing I did, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, that's not a part of who I am, my new creation nature. And, uh, you know, I, I did a silly thing. But, God, I thank you. I don't need to get all morbid and introspective and lose all my confidence and beat myself up and feel like a pathetic little person. I can lift my head up. I can be confident. Jesus loves me. His blood has forgiven me of all my sins. I am righteous in Christ. And I can have just as much boldness now as before I sinned. If you think you can have more boldness before you sinned than after you sinned, it shows you don't understand grace. Because it's not about what you've done. We enter through, we draw near with confidence through His blood, not through our blood. You can have confidence 24 hours a day, even after your worst terrible sin. Amen? So don't go back to law. Don't walk in the flesh covenant. All right, I think I might have made that point. Verse 18. says, but if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Which is just a very bizarre scripture if you don't understand the context here. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. If you be led of the Spirit, that means, that is a reference to you being born again. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, uh, if you are led, those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So the sons of God are those that are led by the, by, by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God. So uh, the Holy, we, we are, if you are led by the Spirit, it means you're, you're born again, you're in the Spirit. That's what it's saying. Positionally, you are in the Spirit. You are in the grace covenant, the Spirit covenant, and you've been led by the Holy Spirit in the Spirit covenant. And those that are led by the Spirit, those that are positioned in the Spirit, are not under the law. They're not in the flesh. All right? You've got to see this because this is going to unlock the next portion of Scripture. That those that are led by the Spirit are not under the law. They are not in the flesh covenant. They are not led by the flesh covenant. All right? If you are led by the Spirit, so you positionally in the Spirit, now walk in the Spirit. We follow after. Yeah, we walk after the grace covenant. We walk after the spirit covenant because he's leading, because we're positionally in the spirit, all right? We are, uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, but ye are not in the flesh, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells, dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is not of his, all right? So you're not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. If so, you have the spirit of Christ. And basically, if you are born again, you are in the spirit. You are being led by the spirit. You are not under the law, the law covenant. You are not in the flesh. Ryan, why are you laboring this so much? Let's go back to Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, emulations, so on, so on. All right. Now the works of the flesh, those that are in the flesh, those that are under the law covenant are manifest in these. 
what the scripture is talking about, it's not talking about, you know, a Christian that sometimes, you know, you're walking in the spirit, and then sometimes you're living in the flesh. You know, it's, it's talking positionally here. Those that are in the spirit are not under the law. They're not in the flesh. But the works of the flesh, the works of those that are in the flesh, that, that those that are not born again, that haven't got a new creation nature, that, that, that have the sinful nature, they are in the flesh, they are in Adam, they are under the law, the works of the flesh are manifest in these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, idolatry. These are all transgressions of the law. These are all describing those that are under the law. They're transgressions, all right? Witchcraft, hatred, variance, whatever that is. Emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they are not born again. They are in the flesh. They are still under the law, in the, under the, the flesh covenant. And they will not inherit the spirit covenant. They are not in the spirit. They are not in grace. All right. The emphasis is not on the things they do, because that's, that's what we, you know, they that do these things. All right. If the emphasis is on Christians doing these things, then you know what? None of us are going to inherit the kingdom of God, because all of us have done some of these things. All right? Is, is, is that not right? I, I mean, I could go through them, and we've all done some of these things. If the emphasis on they that do these things will not inherit the kingdom, then we're all finished. We're all finished. We're all not going to inherit the kingdom. The emphasis is not on the things. If the emphasis is on they, they that do these things will not inherit the kingdom. Why won't they inherit the kingdom? Because they are in the flesh. They are not born again. See, the, the, they are under the law, and the law does not have the power to change your inner man. The law does not have power to produce love. It just tells you what you should and shouldn't do. And that might look like you're doing loving things, but they are not, they are not it's not true love. It's, 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 it's not the fruit of Love, it's the fruit of fear. Because um, Galatians 14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the law is fulfilled in this, love your neighbor as yourself. But you know what? The law cannot fulfill this. The law cannot make you love your neighbor. So the works of the flesh are manifest in all these. Those that are under the law end up transgressing and sinning even more because the law was never ever intended to transform your inner man. It was just intended to show you that you cannot actually love with the love of God because you're in the flesh. You have a fallen nature. Now look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. How about I throw this thing out at you, all right? I would like to suggest that that is not talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but it's the fruit of your reborn spirit. <laughs> wow, that, that's challenging a lot 
lot of years of, of teaching. I'd, I'd like to suggest it's not talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the fruit of your reborn spirit. Because your new creation spirit has been made perfect in Christ. You have the fullness of Christ living inside of you. You've been made complete in Christ. You've been made perfect in Christ. Inside of your spirit, you have the love of God. Inside of your new creation spirit that is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, you have the very joy, the supernatural joy of God, the love of God, the faith of God, the, the peace of God, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, the meekness, the temperance. Against such, there is no law. You don't need the law to tell you to love someone now. You don't need the law to tell you to be joyful and to have patience. Why? Because you've got something far greater than the law. You've got a new nature inside of you, the very nature of God, the God nature, God's nature. It says, Hebrews 8 says, he's put his law inside of our spirits. That's not the Ten Commandments. That's the very nature of God. The law reveals the beautiful nature of God, the loving goodness of God. But when we put it on people, it, it, it cannot produce that nature in people. In fact, it, it manifests the real nature that is in people, which is the sinful nature. When you put law on it manifests those things. And so all these, the fruit of the flesh, you know, adultery, all those things come out. The law cannot produce the nature of God. The only thing that can produce the nature of God is the Spirit of God making you born again, recreating, regenerating your spirit, making you a new creation. And as he does that, you supernaturally receive the nature of God. The Bible says we are partakers in the divine nature. We partake in the love of God. This, this is awesome. The law cannot produce love. The law cannot produce the nature of God, but the, the spirit, the spirit can produce the nature of God. So, since we live in the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit covenant, and since we have a new spirit, walk in that new spirit. Walk according to your new creation nature. Don't walk according to your flesh and your feelings and your soulish wisdom that's cor corrupt wisdom of this age. Walk according to the new nature that you have received, because in that nature is the love of God, is the joy of God, is the peace of God, is, is, is the goodness of God, uh, and all the other ones, all right? And you don't need a law telling you to do those things, because they are your nature. You naturally want to do those things if you're living by the Spirit, okay? The law is the flesh covenant, the more you focus on it, the more you'll end up in the flesh. <laughs> Grace is the spirit covenant. The more you focus on it, the more you'll end up in the spirit. The more you'll end up living from your spirit. So it's not about trying to put law on people to try to produce love. It's about helping to lead them in the spirit covenant, in the grace covenant, that releases what is in their spirit. That will flow. It will just flow out of them. So that's why we live in the Spirit. How do you live in the Spirit? You live from your reborn spirit, walking in the Spirit covenant by the help of the Holy Spirit. So how do we, how do we walk in the Spirit? Okay, because basically we shouldn't walk according to our flesh 
and according even to our mind. We must walk according to our spirit and let our spirit flow through our mind and flow, flow through our flesh. So how do we, how do we walk in the spirit? Well, it's, it's all about your spirit rising into a place of ascendancy over your flesh and over your mind. If your spirit doesn't rise to a place of ascendancy and dominance over your mind and over your flesh, then you will just live from the natural realm, the carnal realm, your flesh, the, the feeling, your, your feelings. You know, what do I feel like today? You know, don't let, don't let the natural dictate your spiritual life. I mean, how do we apply this? What's the application of this? Let your spirit make the decisions for your life. Don't let your flesh, don't, let, don't even let your mind, because your mind can come under the anxieties of this world, the fears of, of, of things, the worry, worries and strife, and, and, and you'll make a decision out of fear and worry, and, and I think this is the best. Make a decision out of your spirit. What is my spirit saying? I am in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of all wisdom, and I am one with the Holy Spirit. He is in my reborn spirit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in grace, so make decisions based on grace. You know, uh, like sometimes Kylie and I, you know, you know we, like, we like to pray together often. If we only prayed when we felt like it, <laughs> we wouldn't pray much <laughs> together. We wouldn't. <laughs> sometimes we've said, we need to pray. We've looked at each other, we, we need to go and pray. And we've actually like both said to each other, I just don't feel like it. Like, I, I know we should, but we just, we just, I don't feel like it. So let's go and do it anyway. And we'll go and do it, and we'll get the breakthroughs, and our spirit just soars in God. And you just think, oh, I'm so thankful. I'm so happy I went and prayed and got those, those breakthroughs. Sometimes there's just things that we need to do because the spirit, it's the right thing to do in the spirit and to not be led by our feelings and, and the flesh. Um, you know, even in terms of, let me just throw this one out, and hopefully it doesn't sound legalistic. In terms of uh, coming to church, or in terms of coming to prayer meeting, if, if we just came, if we just waited for the hour or two hours before and just thought, how are we feeling? How are we feeling right now? <laughs> Do I feel like going to church? Do I feel like going to prayer? Probably most times you think, no, I don't. I don't. I'm tired. It's been a tough week. I just want to go and get some couch time and watch a movie, you know, and just chill out. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the truth because that's how your body, your body feels. And your body's not evil. Your mind isn't evil. It's, it's, just, it's just not good if they're leading you, if they're in control. All right? Your mind is wonderful, and your flesh is wonderful. Your body and your, and your mind are absolutely incredible because God made them. All right? There is some corruption that has come in. We just need to understand that corruption. All right? And, uh, and we, just, we need to learn how to live from our, our spirit, our, our mind, we've got to look after our body. That's the point I was making. We've got to look after our body. You've got to get some couch time. You've got to watch good movies. You've got to listen to good music. You've got to go on bushwalks and, and look after your body. Eat healthy. Uh, your mind, you know, emotions, your soul. You've, you've got to listen to good music that, that feeds your soul and, and those movies that just stir up emotions and, and friendships and family and invest, invest in your mind, invest in your emotions. Um, look after your emotions because you don't want your flesh and your emotions restricting your spirit, okay? If you don't look after your flesh and your emotions, they will restrict your spirit from being able to flow. So look after them, but just don't let them be in charge. Don't let your mind and your flesh be in control. Let your spirit be in control. Let it make the decision. So Thursday night or, or Sunday, 
I don't feel like it, but I know but it's, it's not really about me. At the end of that, it's not really about me. It's about the nations. It's about the lost. We come here to pray for the nations and to pray for the lost. It's not really about how I'm going to feel. It's about let's get some people saved. Let's let the kingdom come to the nations. Coming to church is, yes, you come and you get blessed, but you also come to bless others. And, and, and by the way, I'm saying this for the people on the, the, the MP3, all right? Not, not for us because we're all, we're all here. Um, no, no condemnation. But, but like, let's, let's just shift ourselves to that place where we make our decisions from our spirit. We make the right decisions from our spirit. <laughs> Not let our feelings, sometimes we just got to put aside our feelings and say, even though I feel like that, I'm just not going to let those feelings decide. You know, feelings come and go, <laughs> you know, but, but the spirit, this, this, you know what? Here's, here's, a, here's a cliche for you. This is, I came up with this, all right? Obedience is no sacrifice for your spirit. Sacrifice is no sacrifice for your spirit. Or obedience to God is no sacrifice for your spirit. Your spirit is perfect in Christ. Your spirit wants to live for God. Your spirit is passionate about serving God. Your spirit wants to do everything God wants you to, wants you to do. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your spirit wants to obey everything that God has said. Your spirit doesn't want to do anything wrong. It wants to live righteous. It wants to live obedient. It wants to live 100% passionate for Jesus all the time. And, and making sacrifices in this life for the kingdom, for your spirit, it's not a sacrifice at all. It's a sacrifice for your body, and it's a sacrifice for your mind. You're like, oh man, that's going to be too tiring. And your spirit says, come on. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So this, your spirit has to rise. So how do we walk in the spirit? It's by letting our spirit rise into a place of dominance. You've got to live in the spirit. You've got to walk in the spirit. That means your spirit has to rise to a place of, how, how does it rise to a place of dominance? Well, one of the ways is being established in the truth of grace, the spirit covenant. Another way is praying in, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. That's what dad's been talking about. Praying in the spirit. Uh, I, I think I'm almost finished here. I, I think I've been, how long have I been going for? I need to wind this up, bring this to an end. Bring this to an end. Praying, praying in the Spirit. It's, it's probably one of the most underestimated gifts in your life. It's probably, it's, it's probably one of the most underutilized, underestimated, underrated things that a Christian can do. It is one of the most powerful things that you can do as a Christian. Spend time every day praying in tongues. Because as you pray, in, in fact, this might sound pretentious, but could someone just <laughs> could someone grab one of my books? Sanctification by Grace. I just want to read it. I said, oh, Kylie, Kylie has one here. That's all right. I know this is pretentious. I'm sorry, but I've just got to read this. All right. <laughs> all right. Praying in tongues. This is greatly underrated in the body of Christ, but is such a powerful thing to do. 1 Corinthians 14 is a good chapter on the, on the power of praying in tongues. Basically, praying in tongues in the Spirit, praying in tongues edifies you, meaning it builds you up spiritually. Praying in tongues doesn't make your spirit stronger. It makes it stronger in its influence over your mind and your body. It brings your spirit into ascendancy over your mind and body, that it dominates you and has more influence over you and what you think and do. 
Praying in the Spirit edifies you not in the way that it changes your mind or body, but that it causes your spirit to rise up in greater influence over your mind and body. It moves you from the natural realm into the spirit realm and makes you more aware of your spirit and the Holy Spirit. Once you start praying in tongues on an occasion, keep going till you get breakthroughs in your spirit. You'll feel the surge. Sometimes you'll even feel the atmosphere change. Just keep going. It only gets better. Press through into deeper levels. As you do, you so sensitize yourself to the Holy Spirit that it becomes very easy to hear the voice of God. If you want to become more aware of the spirit realm, pray in tongues. It can release a lot of the gifts of the Spirit to start operating through you. I often get downloads of revelation as I'm praying in tongues too. It's amazing that you can be praying in tongues yet receiving at the same time. It's because the spirit realm is multidimensional. I honestly don't know where I would be as a Christian without this powerful gift operating in my life. I often pray in tongues while doing regular things, driving, working, walking, in the shower, in my room alone, even at church. It's not a luxury or an optional extra as a Christian. It's an absolute necessity. If this gift isn't operating in your life, I urge you strongly, get it operating. Read books about it, talk to your pastor, or find out from a mature Christian who knows about it. It will have a profound effect on helping you live from your heavenly position. All right. All right. Anyway, I think I've said enough. Why don't we stand? (laughs) Hey, this is Ryan, and I hope you enjoyed this message. If so, I want to encourage you to consider partnering with New Nature Ministries and help us take this gospel further. As a thank you gift, you'll receive a free e-copy of all my books. To find out how you can partner with us and to get more great content, just head over to newnatureministries.org and may His peace bless you in every way.